0: Amen, but it is great to have him back, and I know you're ready to hear him preach. So, Brother Joe, give it to us, man. Amen. Thank you. I'll tell you, there's no more cruising or nothing right now. we got COVID to deal with, but I am glad to be back, and it's good to see you tonight. And after being quarantined for all these many months, I'm like many Pearl. I'm just glad to be anywhere right now. <laughs> and uh, about three weeks into that quarantine, Mrs. Arthur leaned over and said, <clears throat> Don't you got somewhere to be? And so finally she wants to thank the preacher. She said, tell Brother Allison I love him more than ever, amen. But it's good to be here tonight. The book of Judges chapter 16, turn to somebody near you and say you look better with your mask on, (laughs) amen. I put my mask on and one of my friends said it was a 50% improvement upon my looks. But we are living strange, strange, strange times. I asked this fellow in the church, I said, Frank, are you and your wife, social distancing? He said, we were doing that for the government mandated it, amen? And so I'm glad we can have the good blessings of the Lord. You might as well just go ahead and laugh and shout and smile. It is what it is, and I can't stop it. And you can't change it. So I'm just gonna go ahead and serve the Lord. And this has been my philosophy. I served him before, and I serve him today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is good. I'm feeling religious. God is good. And sister, God bless you for that song. God will never lead you. Never, never. Where his presence and promises and provision will not meet you there. We serve an awesome God. And I'm glad Jesus is his name. Thank you, preacher, for giving your people something. Uh, I'm sitting on 81 speaking engagements to cancel. And a lot of pastors just would just give up. We can't do what we used to, so we don't do nothing. But I appreciate your pastor doing something. And I appreciate it. It may not be super conference. It may be okay conference, but it, we're here. You know, he always says something like that before he introduces me. It ain't super, but it's pretty good conference. But we're glad he's here. Come on, brother. Amen. But the Lord is good. The book of Judges tonight, chapter number 16, and we'll break in this passage in verse number 19. Since there's only one preacher tonight, I asked Dr. Allison what he wanted me to do. He said, preach to in the morning or something like that, amen? But I'll make this statement over and over again. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere, so just bear with me. It's going to take me a little bit to get there. But when we get there, you're going to be glad we got there. So we're going somewhere. If I don't break down before I get there, this is thrilling my soul. I know what's coming, praise God. Uh, The book of Judges, chapter number 16 and verse number 19. And she, speaking of Delilah, made him, speaking of Samson, of course, And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep, and said, I will go out. As at other times before, and shake myself, and he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. Let me just stop and say, I've heard all my life that what you don't know can't hurt you. That's not true. All the Bible said about Israel, they knew not that evil was near them. The Bible said they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. The Bible said he's coming in such an hour as you think not. And Samson knew not the Lord had departed from him. What you don't know can afflict you. And he knew not the Lord had departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. I'm glad tonight that that is not the end of this story. I believe you will agree with me tonight that when you see Samson, this mighty, mighty man. You know David was the strongest man of the Bible, no doubt spiritually. Solomon was probably the strongest man of the Bible mentally. But we believe that Samson was the strongest man in the Bible physically. Carried off the gates of the city. Took the jawbone of the donkey and slew the enemies of God. And I mean when you see him in this text, his eyes is gone. His freedom is gone. He's bound in chains. And it looks like, brother, that Samson's name will go down like hundreds of others failures, and the agony of defeat. But this is not the end of the story. Look, if you will, in verse number 22, it begins with one of these wow words, how be it. How be it is akin to nevertheless. It is akin to, uh, uh, on the other hand, In the south, it means, wow, what about that? How be it? Notice what he said in verse number 22. How be it? The hair of his head, and say this little phrase out loud with me, begin to grow again after he was shaven. I'm interested tonight in that little phrase. How be it? The hair of his head began to grow again. And the Lord be my helper. I want to preach tonight for a while on here we grow again. I'm glad failure is not final with God. I believe the Bible tonight is not only the inspired word of God but I believe tonight it is the most honest book that has ever been written. God writes about real people that lived in a real world and they had real problems, but there's a real God that gives real victory in spite of the real mess they make of themselves. The Bible is so honest it tells us about these men in times of great victory but it tells us about these men and women in times of great defeat. God writes about them as they soar in the clouds. And God writes about them when they're crawling in the desert. We see these characters in the Bible from the lofty heights of success, but again we see them crawling down in the dunes and in the valleys of defeat. But in all of their success and all of their defeat, there's one thing that we find out. That God is faithful when we're not. God always is when we always ain't. And in spite of our faults and our failures, God is able to hear our prayer of repentance and touch and bless and do it again in your life and in mine we see samson in this text and it looks like his life will go down with hundreds of other failures and i know this was the end of his life but i'm glad even in the end god was able to do it again what we see in the life of samson I've seen in the lives of nations, they forgot God and they turned against God and it looked like they would be wiped into oblivion. But somebody prayed, somebody repented, and God did it again. I've seen this happen in the life or in the ministry of churches. I've seen the devil invade local churches, rip the congregation, destroy the families. And it looked like that church, their back was against the wall and they would go out of business forever. Somebody would call on God. Somebody would repent. Somebody would get a hold of God. God would come through and they would grow again. I've seen this in the life of families. How the devil will invade a family and deceive that father, deceive that mother, or try to wreck the life of that child. And it looked like that family would go down in the annals of despair and defeat, but somebody would pray and get a hold of God. And somehow the family would live again. God would do it again. I've seen this in the lives of individuals Church members, choir members, deacons, Sunday school teachers, yea, even preachers sow bad seed and reap bad consequences. And you might as well, they say, put a fork in them. They're done. But they would sincerely repent, confess, get a hold of God, and God would get a hold of them. And in spite of utter defeat, God would do it again. Even though Samson in our text is blind and bound and full of shame, how be it the hairs of his head begin to grow again. I see our nation tonight about in the same situation as Samson is in this text. But I believe somebody can pray and repent and get a hold of God and who knows America may grow again i've seen man this pandemic and i don't know what it's done to your church i don't know what it's done to your ministry but it's made great changes over there where i live i'll tell you what it looks like it looks like i sat there on sunday morning and watched 36 years of my life crumble one phone call at a time But oh, God is able to hear the prayer of one of his saints. And God come on the scene in the midst of a pandemic, give us revival, and what do you know? Here we grow again. I'm glad that God is able to touch the family again. God is able to touch our churches again. God is able to touch our nation again. God is able to touch you again. So right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor, whoever it might be, and look at him and say, here we grow again. Some of you would really, like me, would really love to be able to say that. But I'm glad it is no secret what God can do. Let's watch this event unfold tonight in the life of Samson. Number one, I want you to see the potential that he had. The potential that he had. When you first meet Samson in the Bible, he looks like the rising star. He has so much potential. God has such wonderful things planned for his life. Samson's mother and father were godly. They were righteous. They knew God. Samson had such potential that he shares a special place in the Bible with three other only people. And that is his birth was preannounced by the angels of God. I gather tonight if God woke your mom and daddy up in a dead sleep and told them you were going to be born before you were conceived, you're a pretty important person. And his mom and dad were God fearing, God loving people. May I say to everybody listening tonight in person or, in li- or by live stream, if you have a mother and a father that loves God and knows God, you are a blessed individual. And you may be here tonight and you say, Well, Brother Joe, I didn't have a mother and a father that knew God. Well, you get right with God and give your children a mama and a daddy that knows God. What potentially had the blessing of God was upon his life, the power of God was upon his life. God let him do what no other could do when the power of God would come upon him it seems like he can do no wrong surely if anybody will make it in the annals of history and fame and fortune it will be this young man by the name of samson he is so filled with potential you know we see this in the secular world all the time here's a young man that has uh, athletic ability beyond his peers he can run the fastest. He can jump the highest. He can catch the uncatchable. He may not be able to read or write, but he can catch them all. And he will get a scholarship. He will get a free ride. And at 19 and 20 years old, sign a contract to do what he loves to do. And if he only plays one year, he'll get $10 million. I don't know where you come from, but million, wow. I feel like Barney and Andy about the gold truck going through Mayberry. I just want to wave at it when it goes by. Oh, that young man seemingly has got the world by the tail. ESPN brags about him. Everybody shouts his name. Everybody wants his number. Everybody wants his autograph. The world is his for the taking. But he has a problem. He can't keep his clothes up. He can't stay away from the bars. He can't stay away from alcohol and beer and wine and rot gut liquor and dope. And all of a sudden, he loses his mind. He loses his athletic ability. He loses his opportunity. And the young man that had it all, the young man that ESPN used to praise and adore, they say, put a fork in him. He's washed up. He blew. He wasted his potential. We see this in the political world. A young man born in a good family, wealthy. His mom and daddy gave him everything that he wanted. He's articulate. He has an education. He has an ability. He has an opportunity to really make the difference for common good in the lives of many women and boys and girls. But he's got a problem. He's got demons of lust and passion and pride in his own life. And he flops the ball and he drops the ball and he ruins his his life and he loses an influence and he blows his God given potential. I see it in the ministry all the time, I see it in the church world more times than I want to see. God's on this young man. The power of the Lord is upon this man. The favor of God is upon him. Man, he can preach. He can administrate. He can sing. He's educated. He's talented. He's articulate. It looks like the future is going to be wonderful. He'll go down like a Tom Malone and a Lee Roberson and a Curtis Hudson. But he's got a problem. He can't keep his clothes on. He can't stay away from the money. He can't stay away from the beer and the wine and the dough and the pride and the lust and the passions of sin and he wrecks his ministry and blows his potential and ruins his testimony and he winds up an illustration in a preacher's story oh god help us to realize tonight the saddest loss in the world it's the tragedy of a wasted life he blew all of the potential that he had the potential that he had number two i want you to see the path that he took, even though his mom and dad were godly, even though they had his best interest in mind. Oh, he was so filled with pride and arrogance that he wanted to do like Elvis. I did it my way. That can I remind you there is a verse in the Bible that said, when men does right in their own eyes, not sometimes, not a few times, but preacher every time, they do evil in the sight of the Lord. Oh, don't forget that verse, that there is a way that seems right in a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And he was determined, he was determined to run his own life and call his own shots. He disobeyed God. He disregarded the advice of his parents. He placed himself in the path of sin, and he played with sin, and he played with fire, and he played with life, and he looked at it as a game, and he took the path of disobedience and rebellion. And may I say to all of us tonight, the path of rebellion and disobedience leads to the same place Wasted life and blown potential. The Christian life is really not that complicated. You say, how simple is the Christian life? The songwriter got it right when it said, trust and obey. Your pastor has met my son, Joseph. We call him Bubba. All southerners have a Bubba. Yankees have them too, but they call them Bubbets. But anyway, oh, Bubba. My son Joseph, I never dreamed when he was a little boy, he'd lead our congregational music, do all of our children's ministry, write the curriculum, make his mother and daddy proud. And I love my son. Your pastor will never, ever forget my son. Your pastor had his sur- shoulder surgery one year right before super conference. And Joseph comes with me and he walks up and goes, hey, man of God, how you doing? Woo, he didn't say nothing, but I wrote it down and your preacher signed it. <laughs> I love my boy. We call him Bubba the philosopher. He doesn't say much, but when he does, it's usually deep and powerful and, and life changing. And this has his, been his philosophy his whole life. He'll say, I'll tell you what, Dad, I figured out a long time ago, life is a lot easier when you just do what you're told. Oh, how many of you women in this room tonight wished your husband had that philosophy when you got married? Go ahead, honey. He ain't going to hit you in church. <laughs> how many of you men here tonight wished you'd have married one of them old-fashioned women, cooked biscuits and did what they were told to do? You say, did you marry one like that or you're kidding all them like that? Somebody else has got or they're old or crooked or something. Say amen right there. Boy, can I just say the Christian life is really not that hard. Just do what God tells you to do. But he's hell-bent to do it his own way. And he rebels and he disregards and he takes for granted the blessings of God. And his life seems to be spiraling out of course. He's headed for a life of blown potential because the path that he took. Number three tonight, the life of Samson, I want you to see. The price that he paid. And can I say this tonight, young people? The price that Samson paid for his rebellion is the price we all must pay. It didn't end well seemingly in our text. You say, Brother Joe, what what, what it what did it cost him? What, what price did he pay? Well, notice he he lost his vision. They came and put out his eyes. He lost. His vision. And can I remind you tonight a church or a Christian, an individual with no goal and aspiration and and no vision is no good tonight for God. And I appreciate your preacher tonight still having a vision for church and the spiritual things of God and, and ministry. Does not the Bible say without a vision the people perish and he lost his vision. Number two. He lost his freedom. Man, he's trying to do his own life and run his own life, trying to free up from his Nazarite vow, free up from Mom and Daddy's rules, free up, man, live your own life. But the freedom and the liberty that he sought gave him nothing but bondage and bondage and more bondage. May I say tonight, Christian liberty is not living like you want to live. Christian liberty is living in the parameters of the will of God for your life and mine. We had a little fellow come to church one time. He had the worst attitude. Lord have mercy. He bopped up to me one service. He said, "You won't be seeing me for a while." I didn't let him hear it, but I went, "Thank God." He some tell you something, preach. I'm tired of the rules. I'm tired of being told what to do. I want to spread my wings. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to run my own life. I just went and joined the Marines. <laughs> Whoo! Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? <laughs> and if you think that first episode of Gomer Pyle, when he meets Sergeant Carter for the first time, when he takes a think with that bucket on top of his head, come on now, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. And Sergeant Carter runs up there and says, and I'll come in clear to you. And he said, no, sir, you're a little fuzzy up that close. Boy, if you think that episode was something, how would you like to have been there the first day he met his drill instructor? I said, son, more power to you is all I know to say. Oh, people are seeking liberty and they're seeking freedom, but they don't get freedom. They don't get liberty. And may I say to every young person in this room tonight if you're seeking liberty and freedom, get right with God, live for Jesus Christ, know what real freedom is and real liberty is. Brother, his sin and rebellion didn't bring him liberty, it brought him bondage. He lost his vision, he lost his freedom. He lost his power. Oh, he said, "I'll just go out and flex my muscles like I've always done." He took for granted the power of God. He took for granted the blessings of God. He took for granted the smile of God upon his life. He felt like God owed him something and God was indebted to him. He didn't realize that kiss from heaven, that breath from the glory world, that touch of God upon his life. He didn't deserve that. He didn't earn that. God was being good to him. And brother, he lost his power. He didn't become weak as other men. He became weaker than other men. By the way, tonight, you know what separates the church from other religious organizations in our city? The touch and the breath and the presence and the power of God. Anybody can raise money. Anybody can feed the homeless. Anybody can build buildings. But just anybody can't take old sinners and make saints of God out of them and get up out of the mire and put them in the choir and proclimate the gospel to the four corners of the earth. It takes God to do that. It takes power to do that. It takes anointing to do that. And oh God, don't let us be powerless when our nation needs us the most, when our families need us the most, when our world needs us the most. May we have the breath and the kiss and the power of God on us again. He lost his vision, he lost his freedom, he lost his battle, he lost his testimony. The Bible sent him the text in the King James. Listen to this: they made sport of him. The man they used to fear, the man they used to reverence, the man that carried esteem and respect. They're now making fun of him making sport of him. And let me just say this to you tonight. If you're like me, you got some members in your family, but if they think you're a crackpot, now they've not been sober 10 years, but they think you are the crackpot. They got all these weird ideas, but you're the crackpot. They vote for Democrats and you're the crackpot. Say amen right there. I mean, they think you're a weird. They think you fell off the wagon somewhere and they don't believe the Bible. They don't believe God. They don't believe in your church. Well, I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll be the first ones to make sport. They'll be the first ones to poke fun. They'll be the first ones to say to you, when you fall and lose your power and lose your freedom and lose your vision, they'll be the first to say, see, I told you you wasn't real. See, I told you that was nothing to you. And by the way, tonight, when the rubber meets the road, all we got left in this life is our influence and our testimony and our character and our name. Oh God, tonight may we not lose our testimony and our influence. He lost his vision. He lost his power. He lost his freedom. He lost his testimony. And eventually, he lost his life. And I don't know about you, but when I see this man, who he once was, listen to this statement. And what he could have been. Let me make it like this what he should have been. And I see him powerless, blind, bound up, nothing more than a toy, and a place to lampoon and make fun of in the eyes of a Jehovah God hating world. What a tragedy what a shame i want to go off in a corner somewhere and weep and cry and by the way i'm not rejoicing over our nation i'm torn up about it when i see the condition of our churches through the pandemic i'm torn up about that when i see christians fall and christian and church families break up and and men of god forfeit their calling and forfeit the anointing of God on their life and they wreck their family and they wreck their ministry and they wreck their testimony. I don't gloat in that. I don't joy in that. And if you do, there's something wrong with you. It breaks our heart tonight to see the tragedy of a wasted life. And when you see Samson in this text, you just turn and say, well, that's it. You might as well write his name down along the long list of failures along life's journey. Have it? Amen. Just let me tell you up front, I feel a how bit spell coming on me. Oh, here he is tonight powerless in bondage. He's blind. He's ashamed. It looks like It looks like the last thing be written about Samson is, he blew it, he died a disgrace. Mm. How be it, how be it, how be it? I got a wild imagination, will you let me use it just a minute? Boy, I see Samson, he's down in that prison house. What little strength he's got. He's grinding in that old mill. Boy, he's blind, his eyes had been put out. He's bound in fetters and chains. They're poking fun of him, he's the blunting of all the jokes. What a tragic loss, what a tragic shame. And I believe Samson reaches up there to wipe the hot sweat off of his head and brow Oh, and when he does, he goes, mm, mm-hmm, oh, yes. Oh, what is that I feel? He's blind, and he says to somebody, what is that up there, Samson? And boy, Samson, you ain't gonna believe it, but it's a-growing again. Oh, I wish somebody could look at me tonight and say, Joe, your hair is coming back. One of my friends said to me the other day, he said, Brother Joe, your hair's growing back. I said, really? He said, yeah, way back. Oh, he said, Samson, your hair is growing back. And I can see big tears run out of Samson's eyes. And I believe that guy says, wow, I've never seen anybody that excited Over a new hairdo. And Samson says, You don't understand. It's more than my hair's growing back. It's more than my hair's growing back hope's growing back god's coming back the anointing's coming back restoration's coming back oh i'm about to grow again i'm about to be blessed again i'm about to feel and experience the power of god Oh, my life one more time and as that power comes back as god comes back as the anointing comes back as restoration and victory Mm, And restoration come back. Call for Samson. They say, bring him out here. We'll make a little sport with him. But they made a mistake. They set him between the pillars that held up that heathen church that they're worshiping a heathen God in, in a heathen manner. Oh, this little lad holding him by the chain. He said, son, put me between the pillars and put my hands on the right one and on the left one. And I've seen the potential that he had. We've seen the path that he took. We see the price that he paid. But all number four, let's see the prayer that he prayed. And What did he pray? He said what everybody needs to say. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. You say, what's so big about that? For the first time in his life, he realizes God is the source. God is the fountain. God is the secret. Oh, for the first time in his life, it's dawned on Samson. And he's going to admit it. He can't do it. And they can't do it. But God can do it. I've been saying this to our church since March the 10th. If what we've gone through in this country called Corona doesn't bring revival, what will? If this doesn't bring us to the end of ourself, what will? if this doesn't cause us to turn our eyes upon Jesus and realize we can't science our way out of this one. We can't buy our way out of this one. We sure can't politic our way out of this one. But I've got news for you tonight. There's a God bigger than COVID. There's a God bigger than Corona. There's a God bigger than the Democrats and the Republicans and Trump and Osama and Obama and your mama. There's a God bigger than all of our problems and bigger than all our fears and bigger than the pandemic and bigger than the bewilderment, and bigger than the lockdowns and bigger than the politicians and bigger than the preachers. Can I tell you what we need tonight? It's who we need tonight. We need God tonight. We need heaven tonight. We need the Lord tonight. Oh God. Oh Lord. Remember me. Strengthen me. Well, you read verse 28, man, here's a prayer of a desperate man. Oh, God, only this once. You know what he's saying? One more time. Oh, God, one more time. At the sunset of my life, Hath the sunset of this day, oh, Lord, just one more time. Just one more time. Just one more time. You know what I've been praying lately, Pastor? Oh God, I know we are in the last of the last of the last of the last days. Brother, if you don't believe Jesus has come you're crippled too, I for crutches. Son, if my daddy was alive, brother, he'd be turning cartwheels. The stuff he preached in the 70s, he said would take place in the last day. They thought he was crazy. They thought he lost his mind. And them Amelitis would say, oh Lord, Brother JB, don't bring out the horses. Don't bring out the horses. I like what Brother Mays used to say. He said, I was uh, in North Carolina State University. I was in the Wolf Pack. And then the Lord saved me. And I got in the Lamb's Club. But one of these days, I'm gonna go higher than the lambs club. I'm gonna get in the saddle club on that white horse that rides in power and glory and victory. Hey, we're in the last days. This thing's about over. Bless God, the church is about to ship up and ship out and check out and check in, and I'm praying, oh God, in the closing hours of the sunshine of your grace, one more time, one more time, one more time. Do it again, Lord, do it again, Lord. do it again, Lord. Save our nation. Revive our churches. Oh, our preachers. Reach the next generation. God, just one more time. and Boy, God answered his prayer. I said, God, who answered his prayer. And you know the story. God came on him one more time. And in the end of his life that looked like defeat, He defeated more enemies in his death than he did in his life. You say, well, that still put a fork in him. He's dumb. The last thing the Bible says about him is in the last verse of this chapter it said, he judged Israel for 20 years. Wrong, 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 wrong. Go to the New Testament. Hallelujah. The book of Hebrews. The 11th chapter. Now you Bible scholars tell me, what's Hebrews 11? That's Hall of Fame stuff, man. That's where the heroes are listed. I'm talking about Abraham. Yeah. Noah and Enoch. Yeah. Jacob. My best friend, Joseph. You'll get that in a minute. Oh, no, hey amen, I don't see Paul's name in there. I don't see Simon Peter's name in there. I don't see Matthew, Bartholomew, or Thomas, in, I don't even see John the Baptist's name in there. But you know whose name is in there? You know whose name is in the Hall of Fame? You know the last thing we read about him in the Word of God? Samson. I mean, he's bumping shoulders with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. And the prophets are mentioned by their office, but not by name. But right in the midst of those names of excellence and success is the little name of Samson. And when we read about him in our text, it looks like he's gone, he's done. His name will go down as a great failure. How be it, how be it, how be it. He grew again. I'm not minimizing his sin. I'm not excusing his rebellion. But I am saying tonight, when it looks like it's over, you put a fork in us, God's done, there is and how be it. God can move again. And in spite of what it looks like, in spite of what it sounds like, In spite of what it feels like. How be it. How be it. How be it. It began. To grow. Again. When that election went south the other night in Georgia. Every heathen. Every God hater. And every false prophet in Atlanta. And by the way, if you claim to be a preacher and you think abortion and same-sex marriage is okay, you are a false prophet. They kicked their heels up. They said, ah, the Christians lost tonight. Yeah, them old right-wingers, they lost tonight. They flaunted it in our face. I've got a dear friend of mine, and I love him. I don't agree with what he did. I love him. He went outside, took the flag down, and folded it up. He went to his church and took the flag down and folded it up and put it in a drawer and said, As far as I'm concerned, America's dead. It's over. And I, I'm not going to stick my head in the sand like an ostrich. I know we got some bad stuff headed our way. How be it? How be it? God said he would spare Son and Gomorrah. He could find ten. Right. Yep. There's somebody in this country that can get a hold of God. and God get a hold of them. Who knows? How be it? We may see revival again in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I've seen this pandemic, what it's done to churches, some little churches they made it I bet I've got five or six phone calls since March of pastors just quit they don't know what to say they don't know what to do they can't win their church gets mad if they wear a mask he gets mad if they don't wear a mask and this one ain't coming if that's coming I don't know. Ah! but I just believe enough preachers and enough deacons enough Sunday school teachers enough choir members can get hold of God and our churches grow again. Pastor, I've not traveled as much. I've still traveled some, but used to I used to travel 110 dates a year. And the pandemic's worked on that, but I still get outright much. And I've never seen. I, I thought it was bad when Bill Clinton got elected. I thought it was bad when Obama got elected. But I've never seen, on top of the pandemic, plus the election, such a. defeat. The air is gone. The smile is gone. It's just I've never seen such defeat. My brother Joe just thought I'd stop by Madison tonight and say, uh, how be it? How be it? God is still on the throne. I'm about to encourage myself. How be it the Bible is still true? How be it the Holy Spirit is still real. How be it if God be for us who can be against us. How be it. I was a child of God before and I'm a child of God beneath. Praise the Lord, I'll be a child of God. Beyond, it can grow again. America can grow again. The church can grow again. Your family can grow again. Your children can grow again. Your family can grow again. You can grow again. How be it? God is still on the throne. I was preaching back Christmas on the life of Christ. And I started out in the genealogies. I had to listen to Alexander Scorby over and over and over just to pronounce their names. And that was a few I would just get to and I'd go, <coughs> ooh, I'd cough. I got to one passage and they thought I had Corona on top of Corona. As I read that genealogy, I came across some names. That by right, they shouldn't be there. What's Rahab the harlot got any business doing in the lineage of my Lord? What's Bathsheba got any right to be in the lineage of my Lord? Oh, God. Rahab the harlot, man. What right does she have to be in the lineage of my Lord? And I asked the Lord that that time he said, what right have you got? What right have you got? And my answer was, I trusted your son and his death and his resurrection and his precious blood. And he said, come on in, come on in, come on in. I know Samson don't belong in the hall of fame. I don't even belong in the land's book of life. But how be it, he loves me. How be it, he's got my best interest in mind. How be it, he forgives, he saves, he restores, he delivers. How be it? Here... We grow again. If you want God, you can have him. Drawn out of God, he'll drawn out of you. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. Call upon me, God said, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He said, but it's bad. It ain't as bad as that. Howbeit you can grow again. Our Father, we love you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Lord, from the first day of this pandemic, all of us were caught by surprise. But He didn't catch you by surprise. And, Lord, so many times I feel like our nation, our churches, our families, our individual lives of course, bad off as Sampson in this text. But how be it? How be it? He grew again. Lord, there's no boundaries, there's no borders, there's no limits to your mercy and your grace and your love and your forgiveness and your restoration. So, O oh God, tonight, help our nation, how be it our churches, how be it our families, our lives. May we experience the how be it of God's divine restoration. We love you tonight in Jesus' name. Pastor, I want you to come and give the invitation.